you have your Bibles, may I encourage you to turn to the book of Jonah. Turn to the book of Jonah, if you will. And if you have your phone, may I encourage you to turn in that app as well. That would work really well as well. In your bulletin, there's an outline there to follow along. <clears throat> Just encourage you to come next week on Tuesday. It's supposed to be warmer. Tuesday evening at 6.30. And uh, we're going to have another information meeting on the 16th. Uh, Haley had it all planned out what she was going to say there. Uh, but she stayed warm. So I would encourage you to come. I'm going to give you a broad timeline. Uh, some have been asking that of the team. And so I would encourage you to come and hear that. And we want to share a bunch of information with you uh, regarding how we're going and how we're doing going forward. And uh, so please come to that. We'll start at 6.30. We'll honor your time. And it uh, won't be too long. We're not recording it only because we've been finding that those that watch it don't get into the full dialogue and don't hear everything. And then there's a lot of uh, misses and pieces. And uh, so we encourage you to come, talk to the transitional team, talk to the elders, talk to myself, and we'd be glad to help you out. And it just allows everybody just to stay engaged as to how we go forward. So again, just want to encourage you that way. Do you ever feel like some people are beyond hope, that they're incapable of change? Or maybe you felt like God wanted you to do something, but you resisted that urge. This morning as we carry on with our series Transitioning Well, and we've been looking, we began last Sunday, looking at the prophets, some of the prophets. And this morning, you may identify with the prophet Jonah as we go through it. Last week, we looked at Samuel, the greatest priest of Israel, the last of the judges, the first of the great prophets, and a maker of kings. Cold weather makes my nose drip. Sorry. And today, we're going to look at Jonah, the reluctant prophet. As I was going through and preparing for this, I enjoy reading the comics. It gives me uh, some good variety in life. I came across Far Side cartoon. It depicts a bearded man standing at his front door. He's dripping wet, and his clothes are in tatters. And his wife opens the front door. She takes one look at her disheveled husband and says, For crying out loud, Jonah, Three days late, covered with slime and smelling like fish, what story have I got to swallow this time? And the book, the book and the story of Jonah is a little hard to swallow. 
Some theologians, they treat it like a fable. Sometimes we treat it just like that as well. And yet Jesus, he took it very serious. He said, he took it, matter of fact, serious enough that he talked about and quoted it two to three times. And so I thought this morning it would be good for us to take a look at the story of Jonah and see some big lessons for us. If you haven't read the book of Jonah, it won't take you long. It's an easy read. It's a short book. You could do it in one sitting. And today I want to highlight the story and contemplate a lesson from each chapter. And I was told this morning, because it's a small crowd, don't give them all the hay bales in one shot. It's an amazing story, Jonah has. It reminds us, don't run from God. It tells us when life gets you down, look up. It shows us how we get a chance to respond to God, a second chance. And then it also talks about how we get a heart for people, God's heart. Aligning my will with God. Like Jonah, we need to give up the reluctant prophet role and stay in God's will. And so let us look at the lessons that God has from us, for us from the book of Jonah. So if you have that, let's see the first thing that jumps out at us, and it is don't, don't run from God. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Manti. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah ran all right. God said, go east, and Jonah went west. He went exactly the opposite way God told him to go. In fact, I would encourage you to go home, Google it, or open up a map, and you will see that Jonah went about three times further west than God told him to go east. And here's the thing. Is it not amazing how far and to what extent we will go to disobey God? And it's an interesting thing when we read this story of Jonah that even though Jonah ran in the wrong direction, he still could not outrun, he could not outrun God. 
Couldn't outrun them. Psalms 139, verse 7 to 10 says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your response? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And Jonah thought he was out running and running away from God. And yet God was with him all the way. As you continue to read the story, you will see that God sent a storm. And the sailors were scared out of their wits. Now these are seasoned people. They've seen storms before, but not like this one. And they drew lots to see whose God was angry. And Jonah lost. They drew his short straw, so to speak. And Jonah figured, okay, just throw me overboard to calm the storm. And the story goes on. They, they were debating this. They didn't really want to do that. And finally, they, the storm wasn't letting up, so they tossed him overboard. And a big fish swallowed up Jonah. Here's the lesson. The first thing we see in chapter 1, do not run away from God. Don't run from God. You can't get away from Him. And you don't need to. Because God really knows what's best for you. The second lesson from Jonah comes from the deep within the belly of the fish. And we see that in chapter 2. And we see this. When life gets you down, look up. When the wind gets knocked out of you, look up. When things fall apart, look up. And you might say that Jonah hit rock bottom. And when you find yourself in the stomach of a big fish, it's not a good day. It's not a good day. Look at it in chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Jonah, verses 1 and 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said this, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you have listened to my cry. It's a powerful thing here. When life gets you down, look up. When schooling frustrates you, look up. 
when you feel the seaweed wrapped around your face, when the floodwaters start closing in, look up. Even if it's your fault. Just as it was Jonas. And you hit rock bottom. Just as Jonah did. Reach out to God anyways. And this is what God did, or Jonah did. We see it here. In my distress, I call to the Lord. Confess your sins. Fall at God's feet. Appeal to his mercy. Bill Graham once said this. The Christian life is not a constant high. We would all like to be there. Where we don't have bad days. Where everything is good. The Christian life is not a constant high. He says this. I have had my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me. Or help me. God can rescue in the most amazing ways. And he does it here by commanding a fish to swallow Jonah. And as you read the story further in chapter 2, he commands the fish to vomit Jonah up on the beach. It's a powerful story. One creature's stomach ache became another creature's salvation because God's in charge. God's in charge. Let's go back to the story of Jonah to see if God got his attention. And we go to chapter 3 of Jonah. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 3, 1 to 3 says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. He went to Nineveh. And now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Three days. To go up and down the streets to proclaim this message that God gave him. I love that phrase right away in chapter 3 where it says a second time. A second time. Thank God for second chances. And sometimes a third and sometimes a fourth and a fifth. Every time we mess up, Thank God for those chances where he takes us and renews us. And Jonah repented. And when you and I repent, we change from the direction we were going back to God's direction. And that's what Jonah did. He did about face. He made a mid-course correction, and he got back on track. And we see that in that little word, obey. Jonah obeyed. And when you obey, you find yourself right in the middle of God's work. One of the things that was instilled upon me when I was a young boy 
all the way through to my adulthood, is that when you're in God's will, you're in the right place. And when you're not, you're miserable. And in this place, you will see a miracle. You will see God moving when you're in the right place with God. You're doing what he asks you to do. And Jonah did. He walked the streets of Nineveh for three days, sharing God's pending judgment. Forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And what happened? What happened? The whole town repented. The king heard Jonah's message, and he issued an order that everyone would fast, even the animals. Everyone stopped eating in the hopes that God might hear their prayers and, repent, and relent on his bending judgment. He was going to wipe them out. And it worked. Their repentance changed God's mind. These, day, these guys here in Nineveh had 40 days to get it right. 40 days. I'm often reminded about how our life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Especially as we get older. We don't know how much time we have. But the truth of the Bible is that there's a time coming when you will no longer be able to repent. No longer be able to make things right. No longer be able to ask for forgiveness. And my encouragement is, don't wait until it's too late. Just with my friend, who thought he was healthy as a horse, who goes out and he looks after his cattle. And he's out in the middle of nowhere, because that's how he likes it. And he's working with silage, and he's up in the top for some reason, and he just so happened to put his cell phone in his pocket. Normally, he leaves it in the tractor for calculations. And he's up there, and he does something, and he breaks his leg in the middle, just below his knee, and he falls six feet down into the silage piece. Fortunately, he had his phone. It was just here a couple nights ago when it was minus 47. He was dressed warm, but he said, I would have never made it. And fortunately, he got a hold of his wife, who then got a hold of his son-in-law, and they came out with a backboard, and they got him out. But we don't know. We don't know how much time we have. We will have to answer for our sin. Scripture tells us that every knee will bow before God. Even those that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will have to give account. And we will bow our knees to God. When I think about this, 
I think about my other friend who I hunt with quite regularly, who would get into good discussions about nature and about God and is there a God and all these things. And I've been trying to encourage him to turn to the Lord. You see, when we come and we bow our knee before God, my answer will be, Jesus died for my sin. And since I've accepted him as my Lord, I know he has forgiven me. And I've been saying to my friend, can you say that? Can you say that? And if not, I encourage him and I encourage you, if you haven't, to give your life to the Lord. Start a new journey. A new commander-in-chief with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to the last part of our story in chapter 4. Chapter 4, the thing we see here is get God's heart for people. Chapter 4 is is quite funny, actually. We see right away that Jonah gets ticked off that the Ninevites repented and that God withheld his judgment. And he's mad. And we see why he ran. We see why he was asked to go there and he went the opposite direction. We see that in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4. And let us read this. And he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? (laughs) That is why I was so quick, quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents on sending calamity. I knew that you were going to do this, God. That's why I didn't want to go in the first place. I knew you were going to have compassion. I knew you were going to have grace. And so Jonah was actually having a pity party. He was pouting. He didn't like the Ninevites to begin with. He was upset that God saved him. Actually, Jonah was very prejudiced. And that's why he ran. He knew enough about God's character to know that if these humans humbled themselves before God, that, that the Lord would save them. You see, in Jonah's lifetime, the Syrians were starting to act out in some bothersome ways. And if you go into church history and you go back into the old history, you'll see this. They were known, actually, for the cruelty to prisoners. And yet they weren't a major threat yet at this time. 
But many years later, the Assyrians would conquer Israel. And because of Jonah's obedience, God delayed that calamity for 130 years. Because it was coming. And from this story, it occurs to me this, that our obedience does not just affect our lives. When God asks us to do something, when we align our will with his, it doesn't just affect our lives. It can affect our lives of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and even an entire nation. That's what I grab from here. You see, Jonah symbolizes Israel. This country that sometimes wanted to hoard God's love for itself. We are the special people. They wanted to hoard it. Maybe some of us can relate. Maybe Maybe some of us have wanted to keep God's love just for ourselves and for our small circle of friends. Maybe we were reluctant to share God with someone who does not deserve it. All the while forgetting how little you and I deserve it. And we do this. We put people in boxes. We drive, we see different people. Jonah was so depressed, and he was on his pity potty, that he plopped down in the shade of a big plant. The story goes on, then God sent a worm into that plant, and the next day it died. And Jonah had no more shade. And Jonah cried out to God again. You see, God compared Jonah's concern for one measly plant. I mean, he was so worked up now that this plant was not there. He didn't have any more shade. God sent a lesson to Jonah and compared it to God's concern for a city of over 100,000 people. And here's the lesson. If Jonah could love and could have love for a plant for what little it did for him other than just provide shade, could not God love for everyone, even those who do not please him, be so much greater? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says this. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But sometimes through our own prejudice, we forget that. We want to hoard God's love for ourselves. One of the beautiful things that we see is that when Jesus walked on the earth, he hung out with sinners. 
Matter of fact, that's what they accused him of. They were tax collectors. They were people of questionable reputation. During Jesus' time, homosexuality was high. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us that, but I'm sure they were there, there as well. He loved every one of them. Everyone. He loved them. He sat with them. He fellowshiped with them. And as I look at the story here, as we wrap up, as I think about it, as we go out from these walls into the cold and back to our homes, and we see different people that don't have these things, do we have that compassion? Do we have that love for them? Are we concerned for them? I believe that we can do this and do it well. And with God's help, we can do this. Let me just close with a word of prayer. As the team comes up, I would ask that our elders come down to the front. If you also would like to have prayer, our elders are here. We'd love to pray with you. But let me just close with this prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing story of Jonah. You're a reluctant prophet. Lord, help us learn from his mistakes. Help us to see the folly of running from you, to appreciate how you never leave us. You are out there in the far country with us, even in our rebellion, Lord, waiting for us to come back home to you. And when we do, we can see you at work in some amazing ways and let you change even the way we view others, people who are made in your image. Lord, help us to love them as you do. Lord, for the one who needs to repent of their sins and to turn to you for the very first time, help them this morning, Lord, whether they be at home, whether they be here, may you move, Lord. And I just pray and ask these things in your name. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, amen.